Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. Over there is... I'm Evan Grant. You're Evan Grant. And missing from the trio uh, for the first time, one of the co-founders of this podcast, Barry Horn. Um, Barry is no longer with this institution or this podcast. Uh, He didn't do anything wrong. He never did anything wrong. Uh, He remains one of the giants of uh, this institution and podcast and our good friend. Uh, He is merely a victim of the failures of this industry as it tries to forge ahead in the digital age, a failure he played no part in uh, because everything he did uh, right up to the very end of his tenure here, almost 34 years, it was just as great as it always was. Um, and I, I, when I say he remains one of the giants of this institution, I don't mean just the sports day department that, that he more or less helped found as well. I mean the, the Dallas Morning News and its long and storied history. Um, we will certainly miss his wit, his creativity, uh, his good common sense uh, at this paper at this website and on this podcast, um, as he has often said in the news since this shocking development for us, uh, I'm not dead yet. Uh, he is still in the market, and uh, and we wish him the very best in his new endeavors, of which I, I am quite sure he will play a large part in whatever thing he decides to do. He will be wildly successful just as he was here all these years. Well, Kevin, I don't know that I can add a lot to that. Um, you uh, sounded quite like a preacher delivering a magnificent eulogy, and that unfortunately sounds very sad. Um, but uh, Barry is uh, was and is my first official sports day buddy, assigned to me by Dave Smith. Another giant of Sports Day, and um, uh, I feel very much at home around Barry and very much at home around you, and I think that's part of why the three of us work together to to form this podcast, and it's difficult. It's a difficult time in this industry. I think there's a little bit of, um, you almost walk around with this kind of survivor's remorse. Uh, because you're sitting around here and there are others who are very talented and very good at what they do somehow without without a job. But uh, we hope that that people will continue to start to see, once again, the value in, in real and honest news and good writing and good reporting. And uh, we'll continue to try and bring it to you. And um, we will continue to forge on in the... Uh, in the manner in which people like like Barry helped found this department into what it was. So um, with that, let's try and move into lighter and brighter topics. I don't know if we're going to get any brighter because we're bringing in David Moore. Well, that's true. This um, is very true. You know, but uh, it's a downer in and of itself. Yeah, it is. It is. One last thing I had to say about Barry too. You know, Barry's the one who talked me into coming to the Dallas Morning News in 1985 uh, when there was a lot of trepidation on my part coming from Houston 
And uh, he told me to work for Dave, Dave Smith, who we were just talking about, pretty much a, an ogre in this business, a great, a great sports editor, but a very scary individual for a lot of people outside the business or outside this newspaper and sometimes inside this newspaper. Scared me to death Yeah, to, to take the job here. And, you know, I tell the story often that um, we were having my first meeting with Dave during the job interview and... Uh, Blah, blah, blah. All right, they're going to take me to lunch. Dave wasn't going to go. He goes, uh, okay, now you guys are going to take Gary here to lunch. <laughs> and I was certain I'd made quite an impression. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he didn't take me to lunch either. It was it was uh, Barry and Mitch Lawrence who took me to lunch. And, and, the, and the waiter at uh, Casa Dominguez spilled a full iced tea on Mitch. It was very entertaining. Uh, I, I did enjoy that. <laughs> I, I got me casina at the old me casina that was located in the West End for about six months. Uh, good for you. Uh, yeah, Dave, Dave really had a lot of, you know, there were, there were people that Dave took out to eat. We were obviously not one of them. He was not feeling confident about our future. I think I saw him walking back from the Palm that day. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, Barry talked me into it, and here's what he said. Just as long as you work hard and do your job, you'll be fine. And, and you know, that's what I found to be the truth. And uh, and it was always great. Uh, you know, as I told Barry, you know, I've been here now for 33 years, and uh, uh, one of the reasons why I stayed this long was because I'm very loyal to things that are loyal to me. And uh, uh, and so it's how I account for being uh, being married for 31 years. Um, so the woman you met at sports day. So when I met at, met at sports day. So as I, as I told Barry the other day, uh, you know, I got a, a career, a wife and four beautiful children out of this. How can one man owe another so much? Wow. I got some doctor recommendations from Barry. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Many uh, doctor recommendations. <laughs> and you know. Which you needed all, every one of them. And, and the doctors often say to Barry, I don't know how one doctor can be thankful for so much. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. That is right. Well, here's another long day. Uh, a long day. A long I, I will just tell you this story. I will tell you this story before yeah. we get into David and the Cowboys. I went to one of the doctors that Barry referred me to a month ago. And Barry had already told me that another doctor that we both go to, that he had also referred me to, had had heart bypass surgery that day because Barry's up on doctor news. Yeah. Um, fortunately, this is not my cardiologist, it, it was my urologist. <laughs> So I go in and I tell the doctor, I said, yeah, Barry Horn told me that Dr. So-and-so had bypass surgery today. He goes, he did? Oh, my God, he's my cousin. <laughs> Barry knew it before the other guy did. See, I, I, he breaks news both in the sports uh, he's all and medical it. world. He's all over it, isn't he? Yes. He's all, as a matter of fact, he is, in, he is uh, should I say this? Someone might be trying to break into his house. He is in Poland right now on vacation for, he for a couple of weeks. He is in Poland on vacation. Yeah, it doesn't sound like the kind of place you'd go on vacation, but you know, he's a, he's a, he's a very... He, uh, is, he is doing something that, uh, and you know, you probably won't get this, but he is doing something that I would very much like to do, and that is, not like to do, but feel compelled to do yeah and i think he feels the same way he is while he's there he's going to see auschwitz and some of the uh concentration camps and some of the jewish history of of poland that has, so much of which has been destroyed and that's a shared part of our heritage and um his mother-in-law was there his mother-in-law was there and he's with some people who are the children of survivors mm -hmm. um and i am sure it's going to be 
just uh, the kind of thing that that almost brings you to your knees. And uh, I, I applaud couldn't him imagine. for being able to do it. Yeah, yeah I couldn't imagine. Uh, so th- th- he is exploring some things. And, and by the way, we should point out, as I said, uh, Barry has a lot of irons in the fire already. People trying to, to hire him, people trying to, uh, to get him to do things for them, uh, as, which was no surprise at all. To me, or, or should be a surprise to anybody else, uh, he's got a lot to offer, and uh, and we will we will really really miss him at this place. Fortunately for me, or maybe unfortunately at times, uh, we still talk every day. Uh, so I, I I don't that much hasn't changed uh, for for me or Barry, and uh, um, maybe that's unfortunately for him as well. But it <laughs> it, uh, it is uh, that was, he told me that was the one thing he was looking forward to in the wake of this news was that maybe he wouldn't have to talk talk to, to me really. every day. Yeah. yeah, well that's 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 too bad. It's it's not working out that way. So we we still have dialogue every day. He's, he is my best friend, uh, not only in the business, but other than my wife uh, in my life. So uh, this is uh, was very sobering uh, news for me, and uh, I'm struggling with it. Uh, but uh, I will I will get by just as long just as I have struggled with the news for all of our friends who, who have uh, have not. Uh, been able to remain here in this institution it's been a sad time we had the passing the other day of another old friend uh, who'd retired last year uh kevin gray a copy editor longtime copy editor came in the same year i did in 1985 uh died of leukemia so it, it's uh it's been a, a, a tough uh couple of weeks uh here in sports day in the dallas morning news so uh, we will we will try not to be too much of a downer from here on out, but we thought you should know some of these things. You are an intelligent, intuitive crowd, people who are listening to this podcast. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to it, right, if, if they weren't. Right. We don't get a lot of yokels. No. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> That's right. Signing off for this thing. So uh, we, we appreciate that. And you know David's on the phone with us. Da- David who? David Moore. David Moore. David Moore. That's correct. And he, he is here to talk about... Um, the Cowboys, happy things. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, oh, I don't know that's, about the Cowboys. I don't know if that's exactly happy. Kind of happy. So, David, uh, you you've been sitting there all this time waiting on us. We appreciate that, uh, indulging us in all of this. Um, so, how's it going? <laughs> well, after that lead-in, it's uh, <laughs> I'm not sure where to go with this, but yeah, it's uh, again just just to stress what you guys were saying about Barry the the quality of his work and his. Uh, character certainly didn't factor into what happened and that always makes uh, these decisions all the more difficult to handle for everyone that's absolutely right absolutely right uh so uh we will as i said hope to continue to read his stuff uh in other places uh not just here uh but uh we will we will go ahead here and uh now david you have been keeping up with everything that's going on with the cowboys you know the thing about these mock drafts and about uh, the talk about everything is that uh, I think it gives us all license to change our minds about five times uh, between the end of a season, uh, if, especially if they're going to keep having the uh, the draft so long after the actual end of the season that we, we reserve the right to change our minds all the time. David, it's been written again or said again and again here in this uh, newspaper, which has the best sources on the Cowboys, uh, but not on the outside. Everybody else keeps acting like the Cowboys are going to draft a defensive lineman at, if they stay at 19. If they stayed at 19, would you? how surprised would you be to see them draft a defensive lineman? Well, I, th- I think the interesting thing on how this unfolds, and, and you're right, there's, there's several dynamics here. I mean, and let's even go back to, like, the Super Bowl. The fact you have a two-week break there 
people will talk themselves out of who they initially pick for the Super Bowl and determine, well, wait a minute, now I'm going to go with this team. So now you take take a prolonged offseason of leading up to the draft, and – you know, and, and now when you start mock drafts in February, who's going to read someone's mock draft if they keep picking the same player to the same team every time for eight weeks? You know, you're you're going to you're you're just going to change it, and and no team can say that far out anyway exactly what they're going to do uh, once you get outside of say eight, nine, or ten, and when you get in that range, because there's going to be a domino effect. But um, where, where Dallas is sitting now and, and the way this draft breaks down, uh, and, and Jerry Jones touched on this uh, at the owners' meetings, and, and I believe this part is true. I think you look at it where you're going to have four and possibly five quarterbacks go before the Cowboys pick. Um, you know, you have a chance for one, possibly two, although I doubt it, probably more one receiver go, um, you know, some other positions. You know, uh, an offensive tackle traditionally goes up in that top 10 to 12, even though some people don't project one that high. Uh, but a lot of drafts, they don't project a guy that high, but, but teams need to place such a priority on that position. Uh, you see them come up the board on draft day. That's a long-winded way of saying there's going to be so many offensive players taken early, especially at quarterback. I think that's going to – I, I think the – the primary level of talent that will be available when the Cowboys are on the board at 19 is going to be defensive line and probably defensive tackle is the way it's breaking down. So I, I think the way this draft looks right now with the number of quarterbacks going early and some other offensive positions, that the greatest position of strength or quality when they're on the board at 19 is going to be defensive line. And so from that standpoint, uh, you have to take a long, hard look at it, and and that's why in their in the visits that they had, the, the thirty visits they had out at, at the Star this past week, they they had three defensive tackles who you would consider uh, being first round picks, and, and really a fourth uh, that's a late first round pick. So uh, I, I think they're putting a, a lot of uh, consideration into that on draft night because they're probably going to be two or three quality tackles there at the point at that point and they may be the most talented players on the board so who well first who are those three guys that uh, the tackles david well i think uh now most mocks have a uh, vita Vea, the uh the washington defensive tackle off right. the board at that point yeah. they have him going a little bit higher right um but but you have also there you have uh Tavern Bryan, uh, the Florida defensive tackle, right, and uh, some, people have comp- uh, some people have compared Bryan to uh, kind of a maybe a a JJ Watt light. Look, well, yeah, uh huh, and, and again, he is not a he is not a clear like one technique. He would also play some of this three technique, which is more the pass rusher uh, defensive tackle you have in there. Right. So, you know, the, the fact that the Cowboys brought in. Uh, and look, they also brought in um, Harold Landry, uh, the defensive end from Boston College, who is going to go in the in the early teens as well, I think, or mid teens. So uh, that's four players right there, and Landry, May, Brian, and Payne that they brought in that are definitely going to be first round picks. Uh, two of those guys could be on the board when they're there at nineteen. 
So I, I think they, they would not have, have squandered four of their picks on defensive linemen, uh, defensive tackles specifically, if they weren't giving a long, hard look uh, at using uh, number 19 at that position. So I think it's, it's definitely in play for them because that's how the board is breaking down right now. And, um, and it also leads you to believe, okay, are, are they looking a little bit differently at how they value uh, that one technique defensive tackle? Um, because that is something that has been devalued in Rod Marinelli's scheme. It places a very low priority on that. Um, but, you know, if you fill out the rest of your line and, and you look at where you are defensively, and, and I would actually argue that um, Dallas is, is looking pretty good defensively across the board for the first time in, in a long time. Um, they can certainly upgrade some positions, and, and they need some more production out of some. But really across the board, I don't think they have the glaring defensive holes uh, that we've attributed to this defense over the last four to five years. I think that they can sit there and just go, well, what is the best defensive talent we can add if that's what's going to be on the board at the time? And say, well, you know what? We Normally we don't place a great value on that one technique, that under tackle in our scheme, but let's put them in there. Then how good is our line going to be? So I think that's what they're looking at. I think they're also looking at, linebacker there are a couple of linebackers that would be there as well and while we're saying all of this i always get back to the point that when they're on the clock and if there is a quality skill player on offense when they're there i still believe this organization leans toward that because of how they're built because you have jerry jones as the owner and you have a former backup quarterback in the league and jason garrett as the head coach I think the tiebreaker, all things being equal, uh, if you do have an offensive skill player there, I think they're going to give a premium or place a premium on that over a defensive position. So there's one other defensive tackle that I've seen in the uh, mentioned in the 16 different mock drafts experts that we run, and that's uh, Maurice Hurst from Michigan. Uh, so that would give us, I guess, five uh, that could be mentioned. You know, the, the one thing about him was that they cited some some heart issues, irregularities yes. at the combine uh, that they determined. And I never saw a follow-up on that. Did, did David, have you heard anything about that? Yeah, the follow-up was good for Hurst. Uh, there wasn't um, um, – you know, as much as you can minimize the issue, it minimized it. So it was a good follow-up for Hurst. So um, – yeah, that gives him a uh, a lot of teams are going to have to sit down and take a hard look at him and, and think about that. But uh, you know, he is not he was not one of the guys that the Cowboys brought in. Okay. Uh, now that doesn't mean they wouldn't take him, uh, but Hurst was not one of the players that they brought in. Yeah, I think he was more. I think he's been defined more as a one technique than a three, as from what I from what I read. He is more of a one. Yeah. yeah that, like I said, some of these guys like a. Uh, Avea, uh, Washington, and also uh, Brian uh, from Florida. Uh-huh. While they, 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 they're a one and a three technique, they can do both. Yeah. And the, the other thing to keep in mind here is, and, and you can say, well, look, uh, wouldn't you rather have a starting linebacker or a starting safety? Well, one, I don't think uh, after you get past, you know, I don't think the safety is going to be there at 19. Derwin uh, James. Step in and start for yeah. you. Yeah, he, he's going to be long. He's going to go top 10. Yeah. Um, so uh, if you're saying, well, why, why would you do another, 
you know, a tackle in this scheme. Go flash forward to David Irving. Uh, you know, this team has a lot of money it's going to have to pay to keep Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, they want to sign Zach Martin. Coming up on next year, they're going to talk about uh, extending Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott. Uh, David Irving is back on a one-year deal at the moment, and then he hits the free agent market. If he has any sort of year, they're going to be able to pay him. And if not, do you need to use this draft to bring in an interior defensive tackle that feels you that makes you feel a little bit better about allowing David Irving to go? So, I'm not saying that's an overriding uh, decision in them saying, "Look, we've got to take a defensive tackle at, at, at 19," because I can think I think you can make a strong argument for other positions as well. Uh, but but that is part of the discussion. Yeah, I, 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 I'm looking at Brian. To me, he physically looks like David Irving. He's tall. He's lean. He's not a you know he's not uh, built like Maurice Hurst. Uh, so that's that would be an interesting pick. And you know, Charlie Casserly, uh, former GM in this league, and uh, one of his mock drafts early on had the Cowboys taking him, and because he, he said and and and, and specifically. He said he's a perfect fit for Rob Marinelli's defense, so that made me kind of made me uh, think that 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 was a good possibility. I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that. I'm a little surprised on the Harold Landry thing. You know, he's about 250 pounds. Uh, he's been projected in some drafts as more of a uh, a three four uh, uh, player defensive end. You know, a guy stand up uh, defensive end. Um, and, and I'm wondering if, if the Cowboys are considering him, uh, what does that say about last year when they passed on T.J. Watt? Because that's what he was. Uh, they said he was not a scheme fit, and so they went for Taco Charlton instead. And then T.J. Watt had a, a pretty good rookie season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So do you think that that means that they feel like that he's a different player from T.J. Watt, or did they maybe learn their lesson from that? I think that means they feel he's a little bit different player and a little bit better fit for this scheme and, and how they go about it. Um, they, they gave a lot of – they fully went through everything with Watt last year, and, and they just felt long-term for their for their body types and what they project out of the position that, that Taco Charlton was better. And, you know, Central, I want to bring up one thing you said about, um, you know, Brian and uh, his build – it's very interesting since Rod Marinelli has been here. Uh, you know that that three technique, that under tackle, uh, in his scheme. Uh, you know, Rod always tells him, "Look, if you just give me one guy outside that can give me double digit sacks, and one guy inside, uh, I can give you like a dominant defensive line. And we'll just rotate the other positions and make this work." And they've really only had two players really excel at that three technique tackle. And it was Jason Hatcher uh, in his one year before he left and got a big contract after that to go to Washington and free agency. Uh, actually had double digit, had 11 sacks. Yeah. And David Irving has thrived in that position. And both of them are that build. Uh, taller, uh, you know, taller defensive tackles, uh, the same sort of, uh, of more of a slender build that allows you to give you that pass rush and that push inside. So... Uh, yeah, Brian may fit that, the, the prototype uh, of what he would like at that position. Yeah. So the other possibilities, as you mentioned, uh, there are other holes. I, I certainly the, think the other hole, hole. Well, David mentioned skill positions. 
Well, okay, but let's stay on defense for just a second. Okay. Uh, 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 is that uh, the best linebacker in this draft, uh, everybody believes, is Roquan Smith from Georgia. Um, uh, a kind of guy that, uh, you know, kind of a sideline to sideline guy would certainly be able to, with the loss of Anthony Hitchens, be, uh, I think, a terrific addition. Now, he's not going to be available at 19. Uh, and uh, as you said, Derwin James, the safety uh, will not be available at 19 either. So, so let's uh, if if they decided that they really needed to fix these uh, defensive positions, uh, because I, I'm not sure they would have to trade up. And Evan was going to allude to on, on skill positions. Let's say Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley might last until 19. Uh, the wide receiver from Alabama. I'm not sure those other two guys are not. So if the if the Cowboys are going to trade up, aren't they almost surely going to be trading up for a defensive player? I believe so, yeah, in this. You would trade up for a Roquan Smith. Uh, you would determine how much, you know, you jump up there. You would, you would jump up for a, uh, James, um, you know, and, and how much are you willing to give to do it? And this is, this is the other thing here, too. And I, I don't minimize this. Now, the, the Cowboys have not traded, uh, in the first round in the last four years. Right. That is the longest stretch during the Jerry Jones tenure of not trading in the first round. Uh, that is the aberration. Now, you ask yourself, is this the new normal, or is he still ready to go at any moment? I would argue with the draft at AT&T Stadium, with 10 picks in this draft, uh, I would not put it out of the I, – I think the odds are pretty good – uh, that there's going to be a lot of discussion about moving up. If, if there's one guy they've targeted and they really like, uh, I can see this team moving up uh, in this draft uh, to make a splash, especially since the draft is here at AT&T Stadium. Uh, I can see nothing more than, than Dallas moving up, getting the guy, uh, him giving us, uh, you know, talking at AT&T Stadium, and then Jerry sending his helicopter for him uh, <laughs> to take him to the Star for his press conference again later that evening. Yeah, uh, He's going to make a make it an even more of a spectacle than it already will be. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a chance they will move up. And if you're moving up, uh, you would assume it would be for someone like a Rokon Smith. You know, and when I say moving up, this is not a team that's going to jump up into the top eight or even, even necessarily the top ten. I think you're mo- looking more at moving from 19 to anywhere in the, in the 12 to 15 range if a player you just love slides and you say, well, you know what, uh, we didn't think this guy would be there, but we're not going to have to give as much to move up five, six spots, what to do it. Uh, I think they will jump all over that if the right defensive player is there. Yeah, I think – I don't have my Jimmy Johnson chart in front of me, but uh, to get to 10 or 11, I think it requires uh, – it would require a, a one and a two. Uh, oh, yeah, you'll have to give up. Yeah, yeah. you'll have to do that. And – and here's the other thing, you know, you're going to have – it's going to be inflated this year because teams may be willing to give up more because they always give up more to go up and get quarterbacks. So when teams are giving up, you know, uh, a couple of twos to move up and, and to get a quarterback, then teams around them are going to say, well, uh, maybe I want a little bit more than I would otherwise. Um, but again, the quarterbacks are a different animal. Every team gets up more in order to jump up and get them. Yeah. But, but that's going to have some impact on what that landscape is ahead of Dallas. 
Yeah, you know, the, the, the one thing I see about the Cowboys and line, but, it, you know, this goes back to the Jimmy Johnson days. He never really valued linebackers that much. Um, you know, obviously, you got to have them, but they were, they were not premium players in, in his defense. Uh, I, I have a hard time envisioning, even for a guy like Roquan Smith, who's really good, obviously, what they're going to say to themselves is that, look, Anthony Hitchens was terrific for us, and we got him in the fourth round. Uh, he did everything we wanted him to do. And we spent a second rounder on Jalen Smith, and we still want to see what he can do and how good he's going to get. And we still got Sean Lee. Um, I, I really feel like uh, in, in the more I think about it, I, I just don't I, I don't know that they've identified any other guys that they really thought they had to have. You know, there's there's enough questions about even if you go over to the offensive side, uh, you know, uh, a Calvin Ridley, who's considered the best wide receiver in this draft. Um, he's probably going to fall, uh, and he may not get all the way to them. He may go, you know, 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there. But that's pretty close. Um, so I'm, I'm not convinced that they that they will trade. I, I could certainly see them trading up now in the second round or the third round if they're the guys they like and are still out there, and they did that last year, you know, when they when they took a couple of those players. I believe they – didn't they trade up for uh, Chidobe Ouzier? Yeah, yeah, they they moved around. So uh, and look, they they have ten with these compensatory picks. They're not going to select ten players right. in this draft. They're going to use those ten picks to come away with six or seven players they want, and they're going to uh, cascade up to the top of rounds rather than the bottom third of rounds. So um, you know they'll, they'll package a, a compensatory in the fourth and fifth or whatever, so they can get to the top of the fourth round instead of being in the bottom third of the fourth round because there's somebody there they want. So that's where you're going to see uh, those picks come into play. Evan, you wanted to talk about the offensive side skill positions. What did you want to say about that? He took all my stuff. <laughs> um, I, no, I, I, I feel like if, if the Cowboys end up staying at 19 and they've got they can choose an Alabama player there, Mm-hmm. I think they will have done well for themselves because you like any of the Alabama players. Well, I mean, you know, you've you've got if, if Ridley's there, there's your skill position player. Right. If if Deron Payne is still there, I certainly like him as a defensive tackle. Who who also, by the way, when we were talking about body types, uh, also tall, lean guy, very athletic, very athletic, yeah. and um, very strong too. Yeah, yeah, one of the stronger guys at the combine. And yeah. I mean, I think if 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 they're gonna if the Cowboys are gonna try and move up, you know. Most of the mocks that I'm seeing right here have have the Redskins taking Rokon Smith at 13, mm-hmm. or at least the first couple that I've looked at. Um, so you've got to move up 10, 11, 12, Oakland, Miami, or Cleveland. Maybe there's a trade with Cleveland there because that will be Cleveland's third first rounder. Yeah, they're supposed to. Everybody believes that the, that the Cleveland will take. Well, I don't know who the Cleveland. I, I don't know if they would take a. a are they having them uh, the well, quarterback take, in their first pick? They'll take either. Either Josh Allen or Sam Darnold with the first pick. Mm-hmm. Then they've got the uh, don't they have the fourth pick fourth too? Pick. I think it's um, the third or fourth. fourth. Yeah, okay. The fourth fourth. about Barkley. Yeah, fourth. Saquon Barkley from Penn State, the running back. I tell you what, uh, I know we've laughed at Cleveland for a long time, and rightfully so. But my gosh, the the players they're going to get out of this draft. If they were able to get a, a, a quarterback for the future uh, and to get Saquon Barkley. And to get uh, well, what if a you were defensive player? Well, what if you were them and you ended up 
you ended up trading with the Cowboys, so the Cowboys could take, say, Roquan Smith at, at 12, and Ridley is still there, or Deron Payne is still there, and the Cowboys number Cowboys uh, 19th spot. Yeah. And then in the second round, if you get the Cowboys second rounder, uh, maybe the tight end from Oklahoma is still there. I mean, you've completely yeah. rebuilt an offense. Yeah, they, they they've got a lot of things going for them. You know, they've had some, some and they should. It's, it, it's a little bit like uh, I don't want to say that they're, they're building like the Astros did, but you know, when you've been sitting at the top of these drafts all this time, you know, they they've piled up some guys who are some pretty good players. Uh, so, so it'll be interesting to see what they what they do here. Um, so, David, do you do you get any sense? Uh, you know, uh, early on before the combine, and and uh, and Calvin really didn't do so well at the combine. You know, he didn't didn't do great on his. Uh, I I don't even think he ran a forty. Did he? Did he run a forty? Who's that? No, Calvin not really. there. And uh, I'm not. I'm not. And, I'm not uh, sure. Yeah. But he's. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I'm just going to say. You, you know, that talked about the fact that there's a little bit of lack of explosion. His vertical. Leap wasn't that great. His, I think his long jump wasn't that great. Uh, uh, of course, film don't lie, as we know. And uh, if you go back and look at what he's done in Alabama w- with a quarterback who was certainly not uh, a guy who was uh, who's lightening up and uh, and making all the throws that you wanted to make. Uh, yeah. And what Calvin really really looked great at was after the catch, which is a which to me is a big thing in this in this Cowboys offense. They're not. You know, it was not their nature to you know we're we're throwing deep. You know, you know we're, you you go long and I'll throw it as far as I can. M- most of their offense has been based on the fact that we're going to throw a slant here, we're going to throw an out here, and then then let's see what you do after the catch. And that is to me been one of the big problems in this offense is yards after catch has been miserable uh, for these for this team. Certainly was last year, and it wasn't great uh, before that. So. Uh, to me, you can you can talk yourself out of a guy. Um, I, I I certainly believe that Calvin Ridley has all the earmarks of a really successful wide receiver. I'm yeah. You you don't have the this is not the uh, receiver draft class with a lot of flashy. There aren't the Julio Jones sort of players. There aren't the right. uh, guys you're saying are, are home run hitters and 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 definitely uh, going to be a. a, a premier wide receiver and there aren't as many of them as there usually are so this is a little bit when you hear people say this is a weaker receiver class that's what they're talking about it just doesn't have the depth and it doesn't have the uh the pop or the sizzle on those first two to three guys that being said uh they would be very happy with ridley they'll be very happy with dj moore of maryland and uh, the SMU receiver, uh, Cortland, is also Cortland uh, piqued a yeah. lot of interesting guys. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the, any of those three receivers would upgrade a receiving position last year, which was not good for them, and, and gives them a young guy going forward that they could rely on. And, again, I, I just agree so strongly with the point you made about uh, the, the sort of receiver, uh, you know, you, you hear, you know, Jerry Jones has resurrected the phrase and just moved it on from Romo-friendly to now Dak-friendly offense. What does that mean? And people always say, well, you need speed to take, you know, to, to stretch the defense. Well, yeah, you do, but if you don't throw a lot of deep balls or throwing a deep ball isn't your forte, what do you really need? You need guys who run precise routes who are going to be where they are supposed to be who can pick up some yards after the catch, and that's what this offense is lacked. And I would argue that is the definition of Dak friendly, 
that Dak Prescott is at his best when he goes through his reads, and if his first guy's not open, he goes to the second option and then the third option. If you had three guys running precise routes, uh, you're more likely to complete that pass, and you're more likely to get yards after the catch, and you don't have to worry about how is your chemistry with this guy or that guy because you're going where the read takes you, and these guys are doing uh, their technique to a level that allows them to succeed in this offense, even though they might not be as talented as a De- as a Des Bryant. So, to me, that is what they need to do offensively. That is why Ridley and Moore uh, are in the mix uh, at nineteen and would be in consideration. You know, uh, we haven't even gotten to the the topic of the day. Always talking about the Cowboys, uh, the future of Des Bryant. Um, you know, I, I was pretty convinced when uh, Stephen Jones made his comments about uh, the the problems that uh, they had with Des, that, that he had kind of over-talked the point. Uh, he didn't really have to say all that if he didn't have some ulterior motives, and uh, which seemed to me to be setting up the fact that we can, we can go on without you, uh, as a matter of fact, and, and maybe we will. But I'm starting to back up on that a little bit and feel like that that may not be – certainly he'll come cheaper than he would have. I think he was supposed to make $12.5 million this year. Um, I would think that he would take at least a pay – they would ask him to take at least a pay cut to $9 million. They, he, they won't ask him to take less than Alan Hearns is making, uh, which is six, uh, as, I, as I recall. Uh, so – uh, what what is your feeling now? If you had to bet right now, will will Des Bryant be on this roster this fall? I think it all comes down to Des Bryant. I think it will. Uh, I think a lot of what we've seen taking place too is an acknowledgement on the Cowboys' part that uh, this relationship has become dysfunctional, and in order for it to go forward, uh, they were going to have to change the dynamics that. Uh, the structure they put in place for him that allowed him to flourish and, and, and gave him support early and gave him the discipline he needed uh, has now really too often enabled him and given him a sense of entitlement and set him apart from the team somewhat. Um, and that, you know, they were too willing to look the other way with, uh, with his less than professional behavior and just kind of go you know, make the, oh, well, that's Dad's excuse because but David, he's producing. David. But he's not been producing the last three years. So da- I think, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Evan. David, he's <laughs> passionate. It is passion. Yeah, he's he's passion. passionate, David. Yeah. That's yeah. what, that's what so, it always yeah, is. Yeah. Tyron, Tyron Smith is not passionate. Jason Witten is not passionate. He, he, uh, Zach Martin is not passionate. Uh, he plays with a lot of look, passion. Everyone knew when they were throwing out that argument that that was – they were just trying to give him cover because he was one of their better players. Um, but look, you know, his and I think he's still a good receiver, um, but not at this price point, and not for the latitude you give him in that locker room and in, in your interactions. And uh, I think everything about this off season has been a very clear message of look, um, you're not the player you were. We're not going to interact with you the way you were. This isn't working. This has become dysfunctional. Um, I, I think I think there are some people in the organization who still want this to work and feel there's a chance it can work. I think there are others in the organization who are convinced it can't work no matter what happens and it's time to move on. And that's been the debate that has been going on internally 
uh, over these last couple of months. And I think it's going to come down to they're going to uh, do a, a significant pay cut. And if, if uh, Des Bryant is willing to do that and stay, it would be an indication that he buys into what they're doing and acknowledges he's going to have to go about things differently. If he doesn't, they'll say, okay, then uh, this is this is the sign we need. This is this is better for us to move on. All right, so, let, let me ask you a couple of direct questions here, David. Number one, sure. do you think Des, we all know Des is passionate and so forth. Do you think that um, he's willing to take a significant pay cut? Well, look, here's the thing. Passionate has been used because it's a much nicer word than immature a lot of times. Correct. And uh, a lot of what Des has done has been immature. Uh, temperamentally, uh, I think he has trouble separating and actually looking at things from a business standpoint. Uh, I, my belief is that he will look at the pay cut as the ultimate insult. Correct. And look at all I have given you. Uh, why are you attacking me personally? I can't believe you're doing this. Why would you do this? Now, it's going to be up to Jerry to explain to him and try to get him to understand uh, the difference in, in personal and business. Uh, I, think, I think that Des Bryant is unlikely to take the pay cut, but, and because I think, one, everyone around him is going to say, look, uh, they're treating you bad here. You saw what these wide receivers got on the open market this off year, this off season. Um, they can't carry your water. What can you get? Well, Des Bryant's not going to get that money because it's dried up, and he's been dropped on the free agent market later. Uh, but but all of that doesn't matter at a point. If a player feels insulted or disrespected by an organization, uh, he will go out and take less that same money or less from another organization just because he felt insulted. And that is what Des Bryant would do, I believe. I think it's I, – I, I can see him taking something of a pay cut, but at what level is it going to be this is too much? And that, that's kind of the art of the deal here. And the second part – the second question that I've got here is uh, we have kind of railed on Des the last two years because the performance certainly hasn't been – uh, at the elite level that we at one point in time thought we saw or that we did see. But can this Cowboys offense function successfully with Alan Hearns as its number one receiving option? If you go back and you look at the numbers over the last three seasons of Alan Hearns and Des Bryant, they are remarkably similar. Now, I believe ideally – they brought Hearns in here to compliment Bryant, hoping that Bryant would get his mind right, uh, if you will, but, uh, but also recognizing that there's a good chance that he does not, and uh, he just won't take this. So uh, I, I was really surprised looking at the numbers, because Alan Hearns has also dealt with injury himself over the last couple of years. Right. Um, but when you look at the uh, – Alan Hearns only has two less touchdowns over the last three years than Des Bryant, I believe it's 17 to 15. He has three or four more 100-yard games than Des Bryant. He has more yards per, per catch average than Des Bryant. He hasn't dropped as many balls as Des Bryant. Uh, and this is coming from an offense that wasn't a sling-it-around offense either. This was an offense in Jacksonville 
that's that's comparable to Dallas that, that runs more than a lot of teams do. Right. So I think it's a good it's a good comparison. It's not like he was a uh, uh, coming from a passing offense, and he was doing all this, and he was doing this a lot of times as the. Um, uh, I mean, he was kind of a one A receiver there they, during his time before the injuries. So with Allen Robinson, um, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I think they, I think they, um, I think they feel that they they, they would cer- certainly supplement this with a uh, a receiver early in the draft. If it's not in the first round, I think. I, w- I would expect them to come back in the second round to, to take a receiver uh, if they don't take one in the first. Uh, certainly in the second day of the draft, they'll take a receiver and uh, plug that in and go, um, you know what, um, we we can make this work from here. Um, and, and you go back and you, you look this past year, look, you know, Des Bryant, he's gone 24 regular season games without a 100-yard game. Right. And... I still go back to this past season when when Ezekiel Elliott went out, they were still in a pretty good playoff spot, and that's when they needed Des Bryant to step up. Uh, you lose Elliott, you need Des Bryant to step up. And I believe in those first three games after Elliott went out, I looked it up the other day, I, I think Des Bryant had 139 yards receiving in three games, the first three games after uh, Ezekiel Elliott went out. He was your primary playmaker, supposedly, on offense after Elliott. He didn't make plays when you needed. If he's not making plays for you, uh, I, I, I still do think he was their best receiver last year. But how far is the drop to plugging in Alan Hearns into that and uh, bringing some new blood in and uh, reconfiguring what you do with some of the routes? I don't know that it's going to be that much different, and I think that's the... Uh, place that the Cowboys have come to in their personnel assessment of where Des Bryant is at the moment. Well, that was always the issue for me when people said, "Well, you know, uh, if you if you lose Des, you don't have a number one wide receiver." And and, and my point has been all along, Des's numbers over the last three years are not number one numbers. You know, and they're and, not elite numbers. No, and, but if you look at and 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 I've seen this before too about Alan Hearns. Let's look at him a little bit. You know, his big breakout year was 2015. He had 64 catches for 1,031 yards, a 16.1 yard average, and 10 touchdowns. Now that was those were Des-like numbers in that three-year run where Des was very good uh, for the Cowboys. Uh, and yet, in, in the last two years, he's kind of been hurt. He's had he played last year with a sports hernia. Uh, you know, he's had he's had different things that you know the, the matter with him. Uh, but there's you know everything I've ever read about him, seen about him, whatever. Uh, it's talked about. Really good guy, good character guy. He's a big receiver, which is another consideration. He's 6'3", a uh, big catch radius for Dak Prescott, which we certainly think that's a good thing for a guy who maybe is not as accurate as some of the other uh, elite quarterbacks in the league. Um, so I, I've seen people say, well, he's, you know, Allen Hurts can't be a number one. Well, he put up number one numbers uh, when he was healthy three years ago, and he's still young. He's still, I think, uh, 26 years old. I'm just going to say this, okay? I'm, I'm going to make one, one yeah. baseball comp here. Yeah. And that is, in a lot of ways, it sounds exactly like what the Rangers have done with some pitchers. Uh-huh. Um, in that Matt Moore was a really good pitcher three years ago. Right. Um, and he's still fairly young. And you're betting on hitting lightning in a bottle. Right. Um, do I think Alan Hearns has some future left in him? Yes, I do. Yeah. I, I just think that, let's let's face facts, that while Dez has been disappointing 
performance-wise the last three years. Uh, I don't think that there is any doubt that build, um, raw ability, all of that suggests that he still has the tools of an elite-level receiver. It's just been a disappointing uh, three-year run for whatever, for health reasons, for emotional reasons, um, uh, maybe even in some result, in, in some ways, scheme reasons and rapport reasons. But yeah, it's been a disappointing three-year run, and maybe it is just time to uh, for the Cowboys to to look in a different direction. I will say this too. You know, we have talked about this, and I remember talking to our good friend Babe Laufenberg uh, several years ago. We were talking about uh, route running then, about Dez. And, and you know, you, you don't have to be any genius to watch Dez to realize that's that's not his strong point. You know, no, he's he, rounding off the routes. He's not making sharp cuts and that kind of thing. And, and one of the things he said was, look, let's look at a guy who has a comparable build, comparable kind of receiver, and that's Larry Fitzgerald. Big physical receiver, right? But but here's the difference between Larry Fitzgerald and Dez Bryant. He's running great routes. Right. And, and, and so one of the things they do with him, because he runs such great routes, is they line him up all over the field. They line him up in the slot. They line him up outside. They line him up on the other side. You know, he's everywhere on the field. And with Dez, they can't do that. And, certainly, and that's one, certainly with Dez, the thing is you can't – he cannot get by anymore just saying, I'm a big, strong receiver. I'll go up and get 50-50 balls. Yeah. You can't do that in the NFL. The defenders, the schemes, they're, they're too good. And – teams have made adjustments well and you also have the, the the issue which which tony romo talked about which i agree with 100 percent. look tony romo's a more accurate passer than, than, than dak prescott uh, is. than dak i'm sorry and so you know when when tony would say you just got to throw it to him but you got to throw it a certain way well yeah. i don't i'm not sure dak's capable of doing that so if we're you just got to live with what you got this is your quarterback this is the guy you're investing in you believe this guy has a future i i still believe that dak prescott has a future with the cowboys i i don't think you know, the the one thing that you really can't be as an NFL quarterback is inaccurate. I'm not saying he's inaccurate. I'm saying he's not as accurate as others are. Sure. And I think if he works on his fundamentals, I think he can correct a lot of those types of things. What I like about Dak Prescott is what I've liked about him from the very beginning. I think his best attribute is his head. I think he's a really smart guy. I think he's a really uh, a dedicated guy. I think dedicated to his craft, wants to get better. I, I saw that when, when he – determined that rookie season that Cole Beasley is his best friend, you know, on the football field. I, that told me a lot about him. Right. It was like, I'm not going to just go find that, you know, Dez because he's our number one receiver and he's our big play guy. Why? why and to make him happy. I'm going to go do what is best for our offense. Well, I, I'm going to say, why don't I throw it to this guy who's wide open? Right. You yeah. know, and, and to me, that just makes so much perfect sense that he realized that. To throw to the open guy? Throw to the open guy that uh, that you got to believe in this guy a little bit. Until, right. he, until he proves me different, if he, you know – we, we can talk all we want about how disappointing last year was for Dak. Uh, David, what, what's his record now? Is, is he was 22 and – got to do a lot of math here. He'd be 22 and 10, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's 22 and 10. Yeah. And, pretty uh, good your two, first two years out of the box. That's see, pretty good record. Here's how I figure this out. If you've started two years, there's 16 games. I think games that's out there with uh, Roethlisberger for a two-year start. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it's Wilson, good. Russell Will- – I mean, it's, it's, it's up in the – it's among the top three to four two-year records for first two-year records for a rookie quarterback coming into the league. Yeah, so it's pretty impressive. And so I'm going to bet if I'm betting on the future here, I'm going to bet on Dak, not Dez. Dak's got more future. Exactly, and that's the other thing that this comes down to. And this is not, 
you know, you, you can talk about the lack of rapport, and, and everything you mentioned is valid, but the one thing you didn't say in there is uh, you also have to factor Des Bryant's declining skills in there as well. And, yes, Tony Romo throws a more accurate ball when you're going up for that 50-50 proposition that, that Evan was talking about. But I, I, I would strongly wager, based off of what we've seen these last two years, that Daz would come away with a lower percentage of those 50-50 balls than he did Correct. under Romo now, uh, you know, than he was before. Because he's just, physically, he's not as explosive. He doesn't get the separation anymore. Uh, he, he doesn't have as much. Look, no one was better at catching the ball at the height of his jump than Des Bryant, but the height of this jump isn't what it was two, three years ago. He's not getting up as high. Uh, he's not as, as explosive of an athlete. And, you know, Larry Fitzgerald went through an adjustment period, too. A lot of people said, well, he's, he's done. Uh, he worked on it. Uh, he, he's still showing he's an outstanding receiver. He adapted. Uh, you know, Des Bryant, for the first time, is working with a route guru in the offseason to improve his route running. Uh, that's another thing I've always found amusing. People are saying, well, schematically, they just don't do Des any favors. Why don't they move him around? Well, there's a reason they don't move him around, because right. he can't run the routes from the different positions, and so uh, they don't ask him to do that. Do you really think that the offense would not at move him around if they were able to move him around? Right. Of course they would. The, yeah. the, the reason they haven't moved him around is because he doesn't do it at an efficient enough of a level where it makes their offense efficient. Yeah. So uh, that's what they wrestle with. You know, Dez has never – Dez has always been an, more, an explosive player more than an efficient player. He needs to improve upon being an efficient player now. And you haven't seen a lot of signs up to this point that he is willing to put the work in on that part of his game in order to improve. All right, well, we've got to get to the hot team in town, the the Rangers. They won a game in the last week. They didn't win last night. They did not win last night, and once again they lost by five runs. Um, It's close. But they have won a game sometime in April, so um, (laughs) we'll have to get to them. Uh, I will will just close with this. Uh, Kevin, I think you summed it up best in in basically just saying on the Des Bryant conversation that, yeah – you know, if you're looking for the long term as well with the, with the Cowboys, Dak has more of a future than, than Dez does. And if you're making decisions based on what's best for the long term future, they're going to be based on Dak more than Dez. So, David, it's uh, it's been great having you today. Um, we hope to have you on uh, very many times in the future. Very many. That's a technical term. Very specific. Uh, the best. You're you, such you, a wordsmith. I would like to say that you are one of the best guests we've ever had. Um, <laughs> You're certainly just, in the top fifty. Just a great guest. You really yeah. great, great, great guest with all the words. You uh, have lots of words. I, I think just saying yes to doing the show. I think it's more of filling up the time than what is said during the time. Yeah. But you're a I, you're a very you, I you're, you're a very many guest. Very many. <laughs> Very many things. <laughs> All right, David, we'll let you run. Thanks, David. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Yeah. There he goes. David Moore, our, our good pal, our good buddy, uh, talking about those Cowboys. You know, uh, I don't want to say that uh, that David has had a great relationship with Des Bryant. 
I don't know that anybody's had a great relationship with Des Bryant. Uh, I don't know that Jason Garrett or Dak Prescott or uh, Tony Romo have had great relationships. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I'm all over the place on this on what the Cowboys are going to do with Des. I, I, you know, I have said all along, I don't see the problem with letting him go. I mean, the, the numbers have just not been there. The, the chemistry is not there with, with Dak. You know, to me, to keep thinking that something's going to change now. Uh, he was healthy last year, and it still didn't work. This was two years into the deal, two full seasons. If you have not developed some chemistry with your number one receiver after two full seasons, when are you going to develop? That? And yeah, I mean, ultimately, what you have to make you're you're going to have to make decisions, and your decisions at this point in time come down to who do we have more invested in for the future? And well, and plus, how much this guy's going to cost you? It's Dak. You know, that's a lot of money. Twelve and a half million dollars is a lot of money. You know, it's got more than that against the cap. So, and if they could release him after June first, uh, that, that that's a good that's a good bump for them and uh, gives them some more uh, room to to because uh, they've got to get a contract done with Zach Martin. They got to get an extension done with him. So, I think these are all considerations for them, and and I think that uh, for all the criticism we gave them early on in free agency, I think they made some really nice moves. They picked up a couple of tackles. They picked up uh, Alan Hearns, a wide receiver, who certainly seems like a uh, uh, you know he's certainly an upgrade on your number two of Terrence Williams if he's not a number one. Uh, so, and depending on what they do in the draft, I think the the fact if you go out and get Calvin Ridley now and you let Des Bryant go, then you're saying that Alvin. You, you are saying Alan Hearns is going to be your number one, at least for now, until maybe Calvin Ridley grows into that uh, right. that role. So you've kind of given yourself some uh, wiggle room there on that. So I, I think the the Cowboys have set everything up pretty well here, uh, and we'll see what they do in the draft. They've, they've had some good drafts the last few years, at least at the, at the top of the drafts, uh, maybe not always after that. But i got to tell you, after the 90s and sitting through all of that, uh, the late 90s and most of the 2000, early 2000s and watching them, Draft after draft, getting no one, uh, that this is certainly a team that seems to be trending upward. Agreed. All right. Well, for Evan and uh, and for David Moore, who was just here, uh, we thank everybody for coming in and listening. Make sure you uh, – how can they get a hold of uh, this old podcast, Evan? Uh, they can find it on the uh, Apple uh uh, iTunes store. Uh, it's the Ballsy podcast, B A L L Z Y. Um, and uh, we run transcripts on sportsdaydfw.com. Uh, and uh, we will tweet out a link to it as well. Yes, we will. So, for everybody here, to everybody out there, see ya. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.